Sunday morning, episode 261 of Top Rope Nation. Boy, I gotta say, I love these Sunday morning shows. I love it when the pay-per-views are on a Saturday night. Got time to think about it. Get up in the morning, have some coffee, get the boys on the line and talk a little pro wrestling. Just one boy today. Justin Joint, but I got to say, I'm pretty happy to have at least somebody on the show with me. The last two, I've done two solo pods in a row in the last, what, four days or something like that. So Justin Joint back on the show. What's going on this morning, Justin? Hey, I'm, I'm proud to be uh, one of the boys to your Dalton Castle, buddy. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Just put on a mask or something and we'll get going. <laughs> now, Kyle is, um, he's on his way back to his throne in Cleveland, Ohio. So he'll be back with us later this week as we preview SummerSlam. We might be seeing him tonight. It's kind of in flux right now, but he might be passing through our area of Iowa. We might meet up with the Ross family. We'll see. But Kyle will be back on the line with us later this week. But as I said, Justin and I here, and we're going to be talking about Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor, which we watched together at my place last night. It was a very enjoyable pay-per-view, I thought, Justin, as we always do on these pay-per-view shows. Give me a grade, A through F. What did you think of Death Before Dishonor? I'm going to go A-. minus. It had a really good flow to it. Uh, I don't think any of the matches were bad by any means. I would even say that two or three of them felt like they could have gone longer. And, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, leaving people wanting more. Uh, Honestly, the only thing that maybe is a little distracting is the identity of ring of honor and does it differentiate enough from AEW and the crowd? I thought the crowd was a, uh, a lot more subdued than I would have liked. And I think that plays into yep. the dynamic of it probably being an AEW crowd and not necessarily a, a hardcore ring of honor crowd. Yeah, that's a great point. I thought the same thing with the crowd. Um, one of the things that maybe separated the main event from their first match a little bit, although they were both excellent matches, I'll go with A minus as well. I think if you think about this one, as far as like what your expectations were going in, you had a handful of matches that most people were very excited for. Again, you're you're talking about a kind of quote promotion, you know, owned by another promotion that doesn't have television right now. So they're kind of building this up in the background of AEW programming. You know, that adds a challenge to it. But at the same time, you know, it's it's a very historic show. It definitely left people or a lot of people, I think, wanting some Ring of Honor television moving forward. So in that way, it's a success. But yeah. I think you got some storylines coming out of this to make you excited to see what happens. That's exactly it. This show made me wish that there was a Ring of Honor dedicated show where we could see where all these stories are going and just continue in general. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, A- minus from you, A- minus from me. Let's take a look at the Twitter poll. Uh, less respondents than we would normally have for like an AEW or a WWE pay-per-view, but 50 votes that put this up last night and these pretty much all came in instantaneously. And I mean, it's overwhelmingly positive as you can see on the video stream right now, 74% gave it an A 
22% gave it a B. I mean, this is very, very high score for pay-per-view. If mm-hmm. you look at what we normally get percentage-wise, you know, compared to the WWE and the AEW pay-per-views. So uh, there's a couple votes for the DF. I mean, nonsense, people trolling there. Yeah, there's so, I mean, no way. That's not serious. <laughs> no. So, I mean, overall, yeah, this is an AB show. I mean, I could maybe be talking to a B plus, but probably no lower than that. I I really enjoyed watching it with you. Having you over to watch it is always fun. And it's a little pricey, 40 bucks. But, you know, again, like we always say with AEW, you're not doing this every single month. You know, I know we mm-hmm. have had some AEW pay-per-views in quick succession here lately, but I mean, normally a quarterly pay-per-view, so I don't really mind it too much to support good professional wrestling, you know, versus what we're getting from the other company right now, which might change a little bit moving forward with the news of Vince. I did a, a live video when that broke on Friday. You can check that out on YouTube. I put out as a podcast as well. Um, at the end of today's show, I'll get Justin's take on Vince McMahon and stuff, but I mean, yeah, AEW Ring of Honor for fans like us who like professional wrestling. If these two companies didn't exist, we'd be in dire straits right now. We, oh, of course, man. we'd watch New Japan probably, uh, but I mean, it makes it a whole lot more fun to do the podcast to have this around right now. Yeah, I, got, yeah, I, go ahead. I, I put out there that you know if it wasn't for Tony Khan and AEW, uh, I probably would have had to quit the pod. <laughs> yeah I, I do not okay. enjoy talking about that uh other product i know uh carlo checking in who joined us on the pod a few weeks ago he gave it uh, a minus as well he says as an overall card it definitely over delivered for me would go similar to us and thanks for joining us live carlo as always i'll get you back on the show uh speaking of carlo he is a patron and i wanted to give a shout out we did get a new patron this month he's actually or this week He's been a patron before he rejoined. I want to give a big shout out to Camillo. He's been a big supporter of top rope nation for a long time. He's always promoting our stuff on Instagram and, and leaving us great comments and, and sending out posts to his followers. So I appreciate his support. So thank you, Camille for rejoining. He joined the main event tier, which gives our patrons the ability to nominate shows for top rope nation classics. It also gets you in for the quarterly drawings for free Top Rope Nation merchandise. That's the $10 tier. So thank you, Camille, for rejoining. And thank you, uh, of course, to all of our supporters over on Patreon. We're closing in on our subscriber goal, which will allow me to release my 2002 interview with Bobby Heenan once we hit 40 patrons. We're at 37 right now, so getting really, really close. But you see the names of all of our patrons going across the bottom of the screen. Appreciate each and every one of you. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, exclusively for patrons, I did a solo Top Rope Nation Extra the other day looking at WWE rivals, Brett and Sean. A lot of issues I had with that one. I thought, I mean, look, I'm biased. I thought it was a pretty good show. You know, (laughs) I didn't script it. I just went off cuff. 30 minutes. You can hear about 10 to 15 minutes of that on our main feed as a teaser. If you want to hear the whole thing, sign up on Patreon. It is the best way to support Top Rope Nation. And, you know, if you don't have the funds for that, as, as I always say, subscribe here on YouTube, subscribe to the podcasting feeds, leave us a written review on Apple. All that stuff makes a big difference. We'd appreciate any of your support, however works for you. So, Justin, I mean, it's like the we're going to, I think, hit some of the big stories that were coming into the show and then we'll get through the matches. Um, I just wanted to, like, put this in historical terms as far as Death Before Dishonor and where it ranks versus some other Ring of Honor shows in the past. and. Tony Khan revealed some of this 
in the post-show scrum. So they were just outside of Boston, Massachusetts, Lowell, Massachusetts, I believe. And it's like a 6,500-seat arena. It wasn't sold out, but they had a good crowd. This was the fourth biggest Ring of Honor crowd of all time, I believe. You know, behind, of course, the MSG show that they had back in 2019. Uh, behind the show they had in the Orlando area in 2017 when the Hardys made the surprise appearance. Uh, behind the 2018 show in New Orleans that we were at, Justin. Uh, that was number three for attendance. It was a long show. That was a long one. Go back in the archives, <laughs> listen to us talk about that one. But that was the the Cody Kenny match as the main event. And then this is number four. So the fourth biggest crowd they've ever had. We don't know the full pay-per-view buys yet, but TK said on the post show that they had about 25,000 digital buys that had come in. They hadn't got any of the cable or satellite numbers yet. So it, it had already outdrawn Supercard of Honor from April. And it's it's going to be one of their biggest drawing shows of all time. And you would expect that given the AEW push, I think. Mm-hmm. But overall, you know, you got to be satisfied with these business numbers, Justin. Yeah, I don't know how you you couldn't be one one of the all time Ring of Honor shows, yeah. and like you said, definitely uh, benefited from its attachment to AEW. And as annoying as it can get, them promoting different shows on you know Dynamite and Rampage, it works. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, as this event was happening, you had a panel of AEW wrestlers out in San Diego at Comic Con. So like. If you were following on social media, you were seeing people talk about Ring of Honor and also getting the AEW news. And some big news broke during this show. Uh, first of all, I got to say, CM Punk was there and they asked him about his injury. And CM Punk said his foot was shattered. And he made it sound really bad. But in the post show scrum for Ring of Honor, uh, Tony Khan said that he's basically on schedule with his recovery. He wouldn't commit that he'd be ready by Labor Day weekend, but he said he was on schedule. But maybe the bigger news was that Brian Danielson, and this is going to tie into our first match here, Brian Danielson is cleared to return now. He's going to wrestle on Dynamite this week against Daniel Garcia, who he worked, I think, back in February on Dynamite. So we've seen him before, but how could you not look forward to seeing those two Mm -hmm. guys? Garcia, of course, was on Ring of Honor, so we'll talk about him here in a little bit. Uh, But Brian's cleared. And Brian's injury had a direct impact on this pay-per-view. That's why I wanted to bring it up right from the start. Because Tony Khan revealed, there was a rumor about this, and he confirmed it, that Claudio was supposed to debut on Ring of Honor against Gresham on this pay-per-view as a surprise opponent for Gresham. That was going to be his first appearance. He was not going to go to AEW first. But Brian's injury forced that to happen, put him into the Blackpool Combat Club and all of that. So... It changed the layout of how we would see Claudio come in. I think he still would have won the title. I mean, to debut as a surprise, like that'd be weird if he didn't win. So that's why, you know, we had Claudio come in a little bit early, let him build to this match. And then surprisingly, as the pay-per-view proper goes on the air, the world title match is the first match. Justin, you got to my house a couple minutes late. Do you want to explain to the listeners why? Because you were a little surprised when you heard this was the first match. Yeah, I swear this is the the second time this has happened to me where I'm going to your house to watch a show and the thing I was most excited for opens it and I'm late. So <laughs> so I missed the opening part of it. But no, I was getting ready to leave my house and all of a sudden I hear tires screeching outside and I look up my window just in time to see a car sliding down the road, 
facing the wrong way and it slams into another car that had either stopped because it had seen it or uh, was parked there for whatever reason because there was no parking on my street. And naturally, the car that was bad enough wrecked that it couldn't move was parked directly in front of my driveway. So I, I, I just sat there for half an hour and finally I went up to a cop and was like, I'm, I'm, I gotta go. I'm just gonna drive off the curb. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. So, yeah, you sent me that picture. It's like, yeah, the car is right across the end of your driveway. Yeah. So <laughs> pretty wild. But yeah, you walk in and I'm like, yeah, the Claudio Gresham match is first. You're like, what? And we run downstairs and Claudio's finishing his entrance. Uh, apparently they had a coin toss to determine the main event between this and FTR and the Briscoes and for, FTR and the Briscoes won. And for the record, I don't buy that. I, I think that is to appease Claudio to make him think it was a main event show because there's there is no way after watching that FTR Briscoes match that that could have been anywhere but at, at the main event. Yeah, it's hard to imagine them. Especially opening the, the way, show with like a 45 yeah. minute match. <laughs> and especially with the way the, the world title match went, which maybe if it was the main event, they would have done a little bit more. Uh, but it also felt like a, about the right kind of match considering the participants. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't mention this, but I didn't actually have a chance to see zero hour, the pre-show uh, just wrangling my kids around the house. I'm going to go back and watch it. Uh, I mean, there were some headlines coming out of the pre-show. You know, Brian Cage was on the pre-show. Uh, Cole Cabana was in the first match, which Cabana was actually here in our town the night before. He worked an indie show as part of the Tragos Thez Hall of Fame. I saw him Friday night, and then he made it out to Massachusetts for this event to work a pre-show match. Jonathan Gresham was actually supposed to be here in Waterloo for the indie show, and he pulled out this week because of Death Before Dishonor. So he was not there. They brought in michael bennett instead to work uh which was cool michael bennett was great uh in person and uh but yeah they uh they changed the card up for our indie show here a little bit but cabana got out there i from what i saw he got a great reaction i mean he's like a ring of honor legend he's been around forever so of course the crowd pops for him a little bit um what else was on the pre-show i I saw a lot of headlines about willow nightingale and just she was really impressing everybody and she would be great whether you want her in the ring of honor or the AEW women's division to be a top star and it it really sounded like she may have gotten the pop of the entire night uh main show included (laughs) yeah so i i need to go back and watch that didn't have a chance to see it so that's why we're not really talking about that right now but the the first match all right so what did you think about this one? It, it didn't get the time that I expected. It was about 11 and a half minutes. Of course, Claudio Castagnoli, Cesaro, for those of you at home, challenging Jonathan Gresham for the Ring of Honor Championship. Gresham, very technically sound wrestler. Usually his matches get a good amount of time to build with that style. Uh, they didn't really do that. I mean, I do got to say, I thought the show was well-paced. When you got a main mm-hmm. event that's 45 minutes, it's a shorter card, but still, about a three-hour pay-per-view. I liked that. We always talk about pay-per-view length on this podcast. Um, so, I mean, 11 and a half minutes, it was fine. It wasn't like a blow-away match to me, but it was a good match. Uh, the finish with the Ricola bomb out of Claudio to win the visual of him becoming a world champion for the very first time was awesome. It could have happened eight years ago in another company far away. You know, uh, you've always been a big fan of this guy, so take us into your thoughts, Justin. Yeah, so it definitely felt like when the finish came, it, it felt abrupt because it it seemed like they were just starting to hit their rhythm and that we could have easily gone 
another five minutes. Having said that, there's just no getting around, no matter how much you like Gresham. He comes up to Claudio's navel. I mean, he's just a... (laughs) And honestly, I I wish they would have actually played into that a little bit more in this match. Um, But it was really solid regardless. I I think it'd be impossible for these two guys to to have a boring match. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the big reason for this going on first is because there was little doubt as to who was winning this match. First off, if you you pay attention to social media, many people were pointing out that on the recent, whether it be AEW Dark or Elevation tapings, uh, Gresham wrestled and he came out without his title because it's going to be broadcast in the future. So that that was a major tell as to who's going to win this match. Obviously, it's easy to read into things with, with that kind of knowledge, but you know, he came out, no mask, no flag, and it really looked like he had a poo-poo face <laughs> going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he'd made comments earlier about how like he's barely ever had a conversation with Tony Khan, and I'm pretty sure it looked like he may have shut down his uh, Twitter page as soon as this uh, match was over with. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see what they do with him in the future. In I know it probably sounds like I'm not a fan. I, I really am. I like Gresham a lot. Uh, he's a lot of fun to watch in the ring. But when you think about where Tony might be wanting Ring of Honor to go, I don't think he could do much better as Claudio being the face of that promotion. Uh, he's amazing in the ring, and that is something Ring of Honor has really always been known for is ring work. Uh, he's a established, well-known star, to, to really broadcast uh, that brand as well. Um, so I think, I think that was the right call. And like I said earlier, I, I don't think this ever really had a chance of going on as the main event. Yeah, it was predictable for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. He, he did delete his Twitter page. Just looked at it right there. Uh, yeah, I think yeah with Claudio, obviously being in the Blackpool Combat Club, he's going to get a lot of television time on dynamite. And so you get the ring of honor world champion out there pretty much on a weekly basis, you would think. So that's, that's good for continuing to build the brand. Yeah. Yeah. And they, as far as, you know, the Blackpool combat club goes is they've got a built in story now where, you know, does Danielson bring up like, Hey, that probably should have been my shot. Cause we know that he's wanted to wrestle Gresham and, uh, Claudio's the one who took his spot at forbidden door. So uh, maybe some, uh, internal commotion going on with the BCC. Could be, could be. Uh, Regal was out there on commentary, of course. And yeah, I mean, we got, I, th- I thought one nice touch was, you know, Claudio came in with the uppercut right away. Gresham had that mm-hmm. scouted, dodged that. That was nice. You had uh, basically Gresham working the knee of Claudio when he was on offense. Claudio working the back of Gresham. As I said, the Ricola bomb was the finish. New world champion, crowd popped huge. Just, I said to you watching, it just looks like that belt was made for him. It looks mm-hmm. great on him. Uh, so, really cool moment to start the show. They rolled that into the six man tag team championship match. So, you got Dalton Castle and the boys, who you just mentioned a little bit ago out there, taking on Vincent Bateman and Dutch. And this was a title change as Dalton Castle and the boys win the championship so it was a it was a quick pace i thought uh this one went nine minutes and 40 seconds so again 
you know, not a not a lot of time kind of laying the groundwork maybe, you know, for a AEW six-man championship. We've been hearing the rumors about that for years now. I mean, that could come at, at any point in time, maybe warming up the audience for that as we feature this on the pay-per-view. But yeah, I mean, pretty quick match. Uh, Castle, you haven't heard a lot about, you know, like a couple of years ago, he was really like the hot name in, in uh, independent wrestling. I don't hear about him as much, but he was he was really good in this match, I thought. He dominated the match throughout. And uh, yeah, at the end, we had, let's see, yeah, the Bangarang spinning face buster for the victory. Any thoughts you had on this one, Justin? I thought it was exactly what it needed to be. It was fun. I will admit that I am not a regular watcher of Ring of Honor, so I spent the first five minutes of the match trying to figure out who was who in the righteous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the commentary was a little confusing pointing out who was who, because I think they knew they needed to do that, because this crowd and audience might not be all that familiar with them. But uh, I thought the right people won. Going forward, you, you know, the biggest name in this match is Dalton Castle. So it made a lot of sense for him to walk away with the championships. And I think it says a lot that this was probably my least favorite match on the card. And it was still really good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. The pure championship match. This is one we were both really looking forward mm-hmm. to, um, you know, like with the pure rules, with the rope escapes and everything that didn't really play into this match so much. I mean, that was kind of the story is they didn't want yuda to use the rope escapes they wanted him to be able to win without that uh blackpool combat club regal yeah, was great, out there great bit of commentary from regal saying he didn't want him to use the rope breaks that the the uh blackpool combat club had been teaching him how to break out of holds and he shouldn't need to love that yep. little bit of storytelling yep so they they he didn't he didn't need him garcia used one i think just one if i remember mm-hmm. right yeah to get out of the lion tamer uh, but yeah, because of the, you know, the effect of the rope breaks and, you know, we had our judges out there. Um, they had Josh Woods, John Walters and a steel out there. If there was a time limit draw, they didn't have a time limit draw, so they didn't need them. Um, you really wouldn't have known it was a pure match, you know, mm-hmm. other than, you know, we had the one rope break with him using one of his three, but otherwise, I mean, it was just kind of like a really good technical match throughout and did it live up to your expectations. Yeah, and just like the opening match, it felt like I love the ending, but it still felt like, shit, these guys had an easy another, you know, five minutes and maybe another 10, and this could have been a match of the year candidate. Yeah, it just just a hair under 16 minutes, and it flew by. I mm-hmm. thought, like This match went really, really quick, even, even having the, the timer on the screen, you know, like sometimes yeah. that distracts you and you're watching the clock a little bit. But yeah, I mean, these guys are just, very technically sound. The transitions in this match were excellent. There was a point where Yuta put on a cross face and then that was countered into a sharpshooter from Garcia. Garcia does a really good sharpshooter. He kind of modifies it where he sits back and really pulls on the leg. Um, yeah, that was good. And then Yuta snatched his neck and turned it into a choke to reverse the sharpshooter. So really good chain wrestling, you know, if that, you're into technical woke, wrestling. That woke up the crowd too because they'd been kind of docile up to this point. Yep. Uh, Garcia used the regal stretch. Yuta got out of that. Uh, it was shortly after that that Garcia used his rope break to escape the lion tamer. Um, we had a really good looking pile driver from Garcia shortly after that. And he sets up to stomp on Yuta's head, but Yuta uh, spit into his face and he was able to 
turn that into a pinfall for the victory. A beautiful reversal into that pinfall maneuver. It was really cool looking. Yes. And I would also shout out, um, you know, you're going to be in for a good time when the match starts. And for one, Garcia is really playing into this, like F ring of honor F, you know, all these honor rules. So they start the match shaking hands and without letting go of each other's hands, they just start elbow striking each other, Mm -hmm. you know, for about 10 (laughs) seconds. And yeah, you knew you were in for a good time after that. Yeah, no punches in the pure matches, but you could do the elbow Correct. strikes, yep. and that was that was nice. A lot, of, a lot of like that kind of stuff throughout the match, and then in the post show scrum, yeah, Yuta was out there, and Garcia interrupted him. He stormed into the room and was screaming at him. So these guys are not finished. You know, we'll see more from them. They're for a while. they're both really young, and there's no reason that this can't be, you know, a top tier feud for the next ten years. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I I would not get tired of watching these guys work. It's excellent, excellent match. Hey, actually, yeah. uh, quick question. Do you have a preference out of Garcia or Yuta? Just as a wrestler, as a character? Yeah. Mm, I think as a wrestler, I like Garcia better. Same. Like if I had to pick, but like character, I think it's more, you know, you got Garcia with his group. I like Yuda with with the Blackpool Combat Club and what they've been doing with him. I think character wise, Yuda's more interesting, maybe. But I like Garcia maybe a little bit more as a wrestler. What Can't argue say? that. No, I same probably exactly the same. Yeah. So we get the brothers out there next. Roosh taking on Dragon Lee, which unless anything has broken this morning, Dragon Lee has not been signed by AEW, which is uh. A little surprising this guy's ultra talented mm-hmm. uh you know so roosh out there to kind of show what his brother can do i guess and they got a good amount of time <clears throat> just under 16 minutes this was a really good match i know watching it live we were both pretty into this one uh take us through your notes justin what stood out to you um boy this is tough to call it might be my second favorite match of the night that is so mm-hmm. tough to call. It's, it's basically like a three-way tie for my second favorite match of the night. <laughs> yeah. I uh, really enjoyed this one. It had a spot that I don't think I have ever seen in professional wrestling before where you actually missed it. And I think I audibly screamed when it happened. I was tweet. I was <laughs> tweeting something and then I looked up and then I, yeah, they showed it right after that. So D- Dragon Lee did a dive to the outside, but the way he dived onto Roosh who was laying on a table and just the table shattered. I mean, you've got to get online and see this. It was an amazing spot. Yeah, that was, it was in the first half of the match. It was pretty early, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was very unique looking. As we said, like the angle that they crashed through the timekeeper's table was different. Hadn't really seen it like that before. So that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. In the story of the match, you know, two brothers that really seem to be trying to one up each other, uh, it breaking down into just, uh, kicks and fists multiple times Mm -hmm. and eventually it led to roosh it reminded me of when Shawn michaels collapsed you know like from the quote-unquote concussion angle yeah and so he basically used that to to lure uh dragon lee in took advantage of that uh to get the win so really good story from these two and i this is just one of many reasons why you should really go out of your way to watch this show. Yeah. Yeah. He, he won with the bulls horns, which earlier in the match, uh, Lee kicked out of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, that's not something that happened. So I given his brother, the, 
chance to kick out of that finish, but eventually he wins with the move late. I mean, I think he hit everything. I mean, it was a, a fun match. Like you said, pretty close to the top, you know, outside of the uh, the main event, which we'll get to. There's a lot of matches in the running for second best match of the show. And it, again, speaks to why we gave this one an A minus all, all around. Excellent, and, excellent show. And now we're getting Moxley versus Roosh on Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> it, it seemed, that's the kind of match you'd expect to have like a month build, but we're just getting it, you know, a few days later. Yeah. Uh, Ring of Honor Women's World Championship. So Mercedes Martinez defending against Serena Deep. Now, my thought on this one, it reminded me a lot of what we saw at Double or Nothing with Serena Deep and Thunder Rosa, where it was like a really good technical match, but the mm-hmm. crowd was not into it at all. And this Until crowd, the like, end. yeah. And as you said, the crowd here in Massachusetts was really, really up and down throughout mm-hmm. the show. Like sometimes they just weren't into it at all. And you could just tell watching everyone was just sitting down. You had the people holding up their signs trying to get on TV constantly. But other than that, people are just kind of sitting there through this one. And Ryan, yeah, did, did you have a favorite sign? Yeah, I'm going to mention in the main. <laughs> <event>. OK, <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that there was a very good sign. Um, but like. I was listening to Meltzer talk about this on Observer Radio this morning, and I think he pretty much summed it up. He said, if you like technical wrestling, you'd love this match, but if a good match to you means the crowd is into it, you wouldn't like the match. I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, yeah. they had a good, good technically sound match, but the crowd wasn't into it at all, so it was kind of, it almost felt like a breather match it, although it shouldn't have felt like that you know it just kind of had that kind of cool down feel to it but they got plenty of time 17 minutes and 20 seconds yeah and and kind of just like double or nothing i didn't fully buy the chance of serena deeb winning mm-hmm. although they they certainly pulled you in there towards the end with some uh close calls yeah so, yeah, you had Deeb kind of rallying late. She had a neck breaker, a DDT, the Serenity Lock. Uh, Martinez escaped the Serenity Lock, rolled over, rolled through. Uh, then Martinez goes on offense again. She hits a Crucifix OG drop. Deeb kicks out. Uh, then Martinez put on the Surfboard Dragon Sleeper, and Deeb tapped out to lose the match. Um, after the match, they showed each other respect. So... I mean, classic Ring of Honor in that sense. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, technically sound, not really a hot crowd, but a good match nonetheless. Do you think this is one of those, like, if the crowd had been fully invested and loud, like, does that change a wrestling match's star rating, like a full star? Ooh, to me, it does. I, yeah, when I I'm figuring my star ratings, I always play into the crowd and the drama from the crowd, for sure. And this just felt so flat for most of mm-hmm. it. Like I recognize this. It's so weird watching matches like that where, you know, like I was trying, I remember at double or nothing when we were watching the match I mentioned with Serena Deeb and thunder, like my wife was there. She doesn't watch wrestling much. And she kept saying how boring it was. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, I mean, it's a good match, but yeah, the crowd's mm-hmm. not into it at all. I mean, they're having a good match and this was very much the same. I mean, super solid match between the two seemed like the crowd could care less until that finishing sequence. So, unfortunate to the women because they worked hard and they did a good job but yeah it was didn't go over great so i mean it's a probably like a a right around a three star match two three quarters three stars i'd give it you know right in there so 
Jay Lethal and Samoa Joe. All right, this is one I think I said to you as we were watching it. It was like, if you told me six months ago they were going to have this event and you'd have Jay Lethal and Samoa Joe on a Ring of Honor pay-per-view in a 6,500-seat arena, let alone the show would also have Cesaro and FTR and the Briscoes on. I would have never believed it in a million years. But here's Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal rekindling their you know long history. The video package was awesome, you know, showing everything going back to the the mid aughts over 15 years ago that these guys have had history together and Joe bringing Jay lethal up is almost his like protege. Um, I was really, really looking forward to this one. And to me, it did not disappoint. This was an excellent match. World television championship, Joe retaining that. that did not surprise me at all. That Samoa Joe won. Uh, but the match itself, Justin, take us through. What did you think? Uh, I liked it a lot. Out of all the matches, uh, this is one I would like to go back and rewatch because I did enjoy it. But, you know, I'm going to be completely honest with our audience. We are who we are. We're we're human beings. And for a large chunk of this match, me and Ryan got into a pretty big Elvis discussion. <laughs> so, oh, that's true. We yeah, were talking so about that, too. Yeah, I, I was a little distracted throughout, but... <laughs> It was still really good. Um, and that was mostly during just the middle portions of the match. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, going back to that Shawn Michaels call out, the beginning of this match really reminded me of Brett and Shawn from Survivor Series because they're just brawling for what seemed like five minutes around the ring. And it hadn't even occurred to me the match hadn't even started. You know, mm-hmm. because Singh came in there and interfered and like I was waiting for them to ring the bells like, wow, this seems like a weird call to do a disqualification this soon. But no, they were just getting started. It's funny that WWE wasted Samoa Joe on commentary for like, what, three years when obviously mm-hmm. this guy can still go. Probably not, you know, at a, at a, a regular rate. But if you you hold him back for special shows, uh, he showed in this card that, you know, he can still go with the best of them. And these two really went after each other. And I absolutely loved the, the kick out, uh, after Joe got hit with the belt. Cause I, I really bought into that being the finish. Yeah. 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 This was the match we got in that deep music discussion. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, Justin is, you know, the movie out right now starring Austin Butler is really there's it's been converting a lot of people and getting more interested in the career of Elvis Presley. And you guys who listen to this show know I'm a huge fan. I appear on TCB cast, which is uh, like an Elvis history podcast. And I've been a longtime fan. And now Justin getting more interested, not in the mystique or the mythology mm-hmm. of this guy, but as a creative force and as a musician, I think this movie is really opening up people yeah. to that portion of elvis and so yeah we started talking about some of his recording sessions and stuff that this match was going on and that was that was a good discussion i've enjoyed talking about that (laughs) with you a lot and uh but yeah i mean what we were seeing was excellent i agree with you it would be good for a re a rewatch um but yeah they got a lot of praise online yeah a lot of praise yeah brawling all over as you said at the beginning uh, Jay Lethal taking control with those suicide dives over and over, like three of them in a row, I believe. Um, yeah, it was it was a good match. You had uh, Lethal hit the Lethal Injection, the springboard cutter. Joe kicked out of that. Um, you had Joe go for a muscle buster, but Sanjay Dutt went on, on the apron as a distraction, which 
as you mentioned, allowed Lethal to hit Joe with the TV title belt. Joe kicks out of that. Crowd was get, really getting into it at that mm-hmm. point in time. Lethal goes for the lethal injection again, but Joe gets on a sleeper. Uh, lethal goes and hits a jawbreaker, rolls up Joe, but Joe pops Lethal into position for his rear naked choke, and Lethal taps out. So, yeah, they went, how long was this one? 12 minutes and 20 seconds. Again, like not a ton of time, but uh, very fast paced throughout. And especially now that is like the official time. As yeah, you mentioned, exactly. you got the brawl before that for several minutes. So they were out there a little while, but yeah, probably 20 minutes or so, a little under yeah. 20 minutes they were fighting. So, yeah, and then this is in the semi-main spot. So you go from this to, you know, these guys who had this match back in April at Supercard of Honor, FTR and the Briscoes undoubtedly a contender for match of the year it's going to be in everyone's ballot you know whether it wins or not remains to be seen but it's up there and you know like everyone always says about movies it's really hard for a sequel to live up to the first one and this match was excellent gonna get into it here i really enjoyed it i didn't think it was quite as good as the first one i've seen other people who did think it was good as the first one to me, not quite as much because, again, you asked a second ago, Justin, crowd response. What does that do for you? And, you know, this crowd's very up and down, even in this match. They were really hot at the end. Mm-hmm. But that crowd uh, during WrestleMania weekend was on fire. And that mm-hmm. it was also just kind of a different style match. You know, that one was more of a fight. This one was a long technical style match. You knew they were going a long time. It started slow. We talked about that. We were... You know, I think right as the match started, I was putting my kids to bed mm-hmm. and I came down and asked you if I missed anything. And you said pretty slow so far as to be expected was your words. Um, so totally different style of match. You like old school wrestling, though. I mean, this is right up your alley. And they went about 45 minutes, two out of three falls. Uh, take us through some of your early highlights. Just well, I, I think you made a very astute point as to this being like in movies when they do the sequel they think in order to outdo the original it's got to be bigger 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 more 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 and you can definitely tell that that seeped into this a little bit where there were some shenanigans with the ref towards the end and that got uh, pretty sloppy i mean dax had to basically you know turn 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 to find the ref and you know to hit him to knock him out and it just felt unnecessary uh, especially because like basically that led to uh, the ref not being there for Jay to get uh, pinned. But if Jay had just like kicked out of the big rig, that would have made an even better moment. It's not like, you know, Jay Briscoe, some longtime tag team wrestler. He's a former dominant world champion. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it would have meant a lot more if they just would have gotten rid of some of the shenanigans Uh, and just played it a little bit more straight. Having said that, this is one of those matches where on my drive home after I left your house, I'm I'm thinking to myself, is tag team wrestling my favorite thing about professional wrestling? Like if you handed me two matches and you said, these are both five-star matches, here's a singles match, here's a tag team match, I I think I'm going to go for the tag team match first. I I love a great tag team match. Because it's that it's that organized chaos chaos that you can't really get in a singles match because just of the number of competitors, never really knowing who might be the legal man, 
Um, mm-hmm. I just love it. It's, it's just one of my favorite things about professional wrestling. It's such an interesting point because for how many years did that kind of get lost when mm-hmm. you know, WWE was the dominant show? They have no emphasis on their tag team division and we weren't enjoying those shows so much. And maybe I didn't realize it. It was because of the lack of emphasis on the tag team division because Justin, I mean, both of us, who's our favorite wrestler of all time. And when did we first notice him? Bret Hart, Hart, Hart foundation, <laughs> a tag team guy Yep. Uh, for, for me. And I said this on the bonus extra show I did for patrons talking about Brett and Sean and, you know, everyone knows on the pod, I always talk about how much I like Brett and I've bashed Sean before, like, as a person, not as a wrestler, it's true that Shawn Michaels was my second favorite wrestler growing up. Again, when did I first see Shawn Michaels? As a rocker. So, I mean, my favorite wrestlers growing up were guys that came out of the tag team division. So, it makes sense. And I agree with you. Like, a lot of the matches I've been looking forward to the most lately in wrestling have been tag team matches, specifically FDR matches right yeah. now. This this run they're on is incredible. Uh, you know, and they're working hurt, too. Like Dax mm-hmm. is working with a torn labrum, but he's on this run that he's had right now. Like he can't, how could he not continue going? And he's working fine with it, but he's in pain. Yeah. By the way, I don't know. He's got to be in pain today because the first fall of this match was brutal looking. So you had Jay Briscoe slingshot Dax into the turnbuckle. And then they went from that into a doomsday device or Dax, I mean, he landed right on his head. It yeah. looked brutal. We both, ooh, like instantly yelled out when we watched it live. And, you know, in the moment, you got your adrenaline. I'm sure even after the show, you got your adrenaline. I'm curious how he felt when he woke up this morning because that looked gnarly, Justin. You, you know, something ooh. to point out about that pinfall, which I think says a lot about how good this match was, is that, like, right before that, I mean, literally, right before this, I started talking to you like, you know, if this was WWE and then it was a big two out of three falls match, they'd do that annoying thing where the first fall came like 10 minutes in, which mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense when you factor in like how brutal and long their first encounter was back in April. And then like almost right after I said that this finish came, it was helped with um, the way Dax landed, which looked awful, but also I was way off like it this match had already gone almost 20 minutes by by the time this for for, but it was so good that it it felt like only 10 minutes had gone by Mm -hmm. yeah excellent and then i mean they're right away going for another fall you know no break or anything like that Mm -hmm. like sometimes in wwe when they've had these matches we've complained of why wouldn't you immediately go for another fall you know and they give them time to like get set and stuff but no they were it was immediately moving on right after that fall so you get the briscoes taking the lead uh 1-0 but eventually ftr comes back and they win fall two with the big rig and then fall going for fall three is when the the moment happened that you mentioned a little bit ago with the ref bump and i agree they didn't really need to do the ref bump did make a lot of sense i i think yeah kicking out of the big rig clean would have had greater impact um uh, so yeah i i just i want to shout out for one uh Dax getting the bloody chest from all the oh slap God. shots. I mean, yes. these guys just laid into each other. There, there was no holding back. Yeah. And then also one of the, you know, talking about the Joe kicking out after the, the belt shot, another all time great near fall for me when uh, Jay hits cash with the bell 
and there was that split mm-hmm. second. I was like, holy shit, Briscoes are going to sweep. I mean, they just signed a new deal with Ring of Honor. They're they're one of the biggest stars in the company, the Briscoes, that is. So like for a second, like, well, I mean, I don't think I would have liked it, but it would have made sense that you want to build up the Briscoes as these, you know, big time champions. Hey, we we swept FTR in a two out of three falls match. We're the Ring of Honor guys. That didn't happen. I, I still I just I loved that near fall. Yeah. Yeah. And that was there was a great call. I think that was Caprice Coleman on commentary that made the joke about that was the same ring bell that took out Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> yeah. They brought it over from Detroit, apparently. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I guess we just go to the finish. Yeah. So you had uh, Jay and Dax fighting. Well, uh, J- yeah, go ahead. Just a shout out to uh, Cash and Mark, that bump on the outside where we both cringe because like when it happens, it looks a lot more brutal than when you see it on the replay. We're like, oh yeah, that's why these guys are professionals. <laughs> yeah, where, where yep. he basically back suplexed him into a table from uh, the not the top rope, like middle rope or something. Yeah, and he came down kind of on his head. Yeah, it, it looked pretty. I mean, even on the replay, it looked kind of brutal. I mean, it was yeah, it was sick. That was a great spot. Yeah. So when you get to the finish, you've got Jay. He blocks a pile driver from Dax to counter with the Jade Driller for a two count. So then they duel onto the turnbuckles. Dax goes on offense and hits a pile driver off the second rope. And then the way that he went for the pin where he just kind of like rolls over like he's completely spent after that. And just he's like face down, but his legs are across Jay for the pinfall. And FTR retains with that second fall. Tremendous. I mean, dangerous as hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the pile driver off the second rope just looked brutal. You could see gifts of it online, but man, quite the finish. I mean, I liked it. That's how you end a match like yep. this. And uh, afterwards, you know, they're celebrating. And then out walks Claudio and Wheeler Yuta on the ramp to tease that. Those two might be interested in a match with FTR. You know, you got all the belts between the two of them. Yes, please. The pure title and the world title. But yeah, that's what we said. Yes, please. I'd like to see it. So hell of a match. FTR was great in the post-show scrum as always. I could listen to those guys talk forever. Uh, They were great talking to the media and, you know, the impact that they see themselves having on tag team wrestling and, and just the wrestling world in general right now. And great stuff. It's hard. It's hard to, uh, to not support these guys, just like that guy in the lower level, Justin, hmm. who had that. I was sign. wondering. <laughs> Let's say uh, Dax Dax's mustache gives me hardwood. <laughs> Tremendous sign. <laughs> Hilarious sign. I got to give that guy props. Dax is on just an incredible run of professional wrestling lately. <laughs> I mean, he he might he might be my current favorite. And, and, yeah. and that's not to take anything away from cash. Cause I mean, yeah. Dax is so good that you almost kind of forget about what cash is doing, but he he's also, I mean, FTR are just on the run of a lifetime right now. Yeah. It's hard to, uh, someone made this point on Twitter the other day and I saw it and I agreed with it so much where they said, it's so cool to watch where like these guys are on the run of their careers and they recognize it in real time. Mm-hmm. like we're seeing it and we know as it's happening this is like the run of their careers and it just keeps getting better and keeps getting better uh evans was checking in here in the chat said match of the year to him and i mean i could definitely be swayed by that like i said i like i like the first one a little bit better but this was a hell of a match i mean 
four and a half stars, probably like in that neighborhood. Really, really good stuff. I would say anyone that didn't see this show, it's worth a buy to watch yes. the replay. Yeah. There's so much good stuff on it. So check it out however you can. Does it make you kind of scratch your head a little bit as to, I, I you know, and I'm, for what I'm about to say, I mean, we're big Swerve in Our Glory fans. We love mm-hmm. Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, but like, it kind of surprises me that they're not building to, you know, the big FTR versus Young Bucks for all the gold match, which, you know, I guess they still can, but I think if you're going to do that, you'd want to have kept the belts on Young Bucks and build them up as big time champs. Yeah, it sounds like they're delaying that because of Kenny's return. So that was the other news that had come out recently was that Omega is on his way back, probably at all out. And I mean, things could change. I think Meltzer had a report out about this. I think Sean Ross Sapp backed it up, if I remember right. But um, I know the plan was like a six man involving the Bucks and Omega at all out. That could change. But what I had heard was that they're delaying the FTR Bucks match for that reason, because Omega's return is factored in there. So we'll see. But I mean, a lot to look forward to. You got all these guys coming back into the picture. Punk will be back eventually. But as we said at the top, Brian is coming back this Wednesday. Kenny's on his way back. You know, we were very objective on the pod, Kyle especially, you know, and we've we've gone after AEW a little bit that, you know, their television is kind of hit some flat points in recent months, but we've also been realists and talked about some of that is because of all these unforeseen injuries to very mm-hmm. tippy top guys. Like Kenny's been gone a long time, but like Brian and punk happening so quickly, you know, Adam Cole injured MJF uh, being written MJF, off MJF. Yeah. Because of the story they're telling there where they had to write him off. There's a lot of things going on. So mm-hmm. I'm still very optimistic about the future of the promotion and I'm optimistic about the future of, ROH from what we saw last night. Mm-hmm. You know, we could talk about Tony. This guy seems to never sleep. Tony Khan, he's doing all kinds of stuff. Um, now booking two promotions. But what we got last night, I can't complain about. And yeah, Rampage isn't like a must-see show. Is Tony's attention drawn away because he's got too much things going on? I don't know. Those are debates you can have. But even so, moving forward into the fall. I'm optimistic as hell and I'm very interested in where this promotion goes and how they tie in ring of honor. And now with Claudio as the world champion and FTR still on the run in their careers. I mean, to me, the most interesting stuff going on in the wrestling world still. And, and to see if, you know, what the actual pay-per-view buys are and what the business for how this show did and how that might, you know, what kind of TV contract that could lead to for ring of honor. Yeah. That'll be big. And then AEW will be coming up for a new television contract, you know, pretty soon too. And, and where they tie in with Warner media and, you know, I don't know if you saw this, but there was the shot of all of the people that are out at Comic-Con, like punk was in the shot. Uh, Jade cargo was in the shot. Britt Baker was out there. Brian's out there. Obviously Um, these people were, they were posing like a game of Thrones chair. Did you see that? Like the throne. Mm Hmm super cool shot i'll see if i can find it and send it to you but like that's the reality is they're factored into that same universe and the fact we know there's the the prequel to game of thrones coming out soon but one of the most popular shows of all time hbo you know like they're in that same uh media group 
And so with with the money that they could get and a television contract and the crossovers that they could potentially have, the promotion that they could potentially have, I mean, there's a there's still a ton of room for growth for this promotion and just the tie-ins that they could do at events like Comic-Con like that with some of the biggest franchises in the world is is pretty cool. Especially, we talked about HBO Max, you know, could they have a presence on HBO Max someday? You know, we'll see. Especially, you know, what factor does the speaking of Game of Thrones, the Mad King from the North stepping down, what that could play into AEW's growth with maybe a little bit of a downfall for WWE. <laughs> I love that transition. Yeah. <laughs> so now we have we have the longest tenured CEO, as he said, in professional wrestling, Tony Khan, because of Vince McMahon stepping down. Now, I did the live cast on Friday, minutes after it broke. And so we didn't know a lot about, you know, why he's doing it. We still don't know. But I mean, look, this scandal's going on. There's more to come. I got to think there was pressure on him to make this call. It, mm-hmm. I, I find it very hard to believe that Vince McMahon would willingly step away. The, so, the guy who, as soon as this scandal broke, his reaction was to, in what, like three straight shows come out onto TV when he hadn't really been seen all that much. That's his reaction to a scandal. <laughs> we think that guy stepped down. Uh-uh. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, I mean, Justin, I had my chance to uh, give my thoughts. And then right after I went the air, the stuff with Brock was happening now, some people are trying to like dunk on the reporters and say, ha, 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 you were wrong. They weren't wrong. They didn't say Brock walked out permanently, but Brock did walk out of SmackDown after the Vince news came out. They got him to come back and he was on the show at the close. But like that was another big part of the story. Um, anything you want to say about Vince McMahon and him stepping down, Justin? Good riddance. Um, I feel no need to show gratitude to some sex past, especially with the amount of money that I have, you know, put into WWE throughout all these years, whether it be merchandise or shows or the network or the cock. Um, he needed to, the, the product's been really bad for quite a while now. And a lot of that can go directly towards him. Having said that, I'm also worried about like, you know, your hope is that maybe they put a little bit more creative freedom on the talent, but just like with, you know, early AEW, you have that, like, can there be too many cooks in the kitchen scenario where AEW didn't really find their footing until pardon the pun, uh, Tony Khan kind of put his foot down and became the, the singular, uh, vision for creative. And that's the thing with Vince McMahon, love him or hate him. You know, he, he's been the, uh, be all end all for creative, You know, he's the one who says, this is the direction we're going, you know, for better or worse. Now that he's gone, you know, there's a chance that the booking could get even more chaotic. I hope that's not the case. You know, I I hope they can streamline everything to make it a coherent, singular vision that is entertaining. Um, I... You know, hope and pray deep into every night that Kevin Dunn is next to go, and that they <laughs> they get rid of all his television antics that are just as bad, if not worse, than the creative on the show. The camera work is headache-inducing. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm most curious to see is the effect of 
will the show actually be better? Because I don't know. I'm not convinced that's going to be the case. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you is like, do you think Vince is really going to be totally out of there? No, no he's <laughs> going to be sending like, text messages. That's what, that's my thought too, is like, he's not going to be just completely hands off. He's going to be talking to all these people, which is another reason why I think you do got to get some of those cooks out of the kitchen that are associated with them. I think you got to get Pritchard out of there. Like if you really, if you really want to start things fresh and you're Stephanie and you're con Nick con and you're Hunter, you got to get, and especially as you said, we got to get Kevin Dunn out of there. This guy, I hate to like say someone should lose their job. He's been just awful for well, and- years. And he's, he's not a great, like from the stories you've heard about yeah. him and what he said about some of the women and stuff, like not a guy you really want to root for anyways. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. In our, in our defense, we're not just picking on his his actual uh, job. It's also mm-hmm. that he seems to be a real shitty person behind the scenes. On his book, John Moxley said, F Kevin Dunn. Yep. You know, he didn't think Becky Lynch was a someone he could push because uh, she wasn't attractive enough. I mean, this guy's a dope and he's a terrible director as it comes to production. And he's, this guy's got to go. He's yeah, got to go. So, and going, yeah. going back to your question as to, you know, do I believe that Vince has truly stepped down that from creative, from his uh, chairman, but one of the first text messages I sent you and Kyle after the scandal broke out is Vince strikes me as the kind of person that he's like a shark. If he's not swimming, he dies. And like, if, if he's not going to be super involved, I could easily see him just, you know, expiring, you know, in a few years. Mm-hmm. I, I think there will definitely be a lot of text messages from him to Nick Khan and Stephanie yeah. saying, this is what you guys need to do. <laughs> yeah. He will be indirectly involved. Yep. I think we probably can all agree, but I mean, it's, it's still landscape changing. We'll see how WWE, if it really does change or not moving forward. This has been like the theoretical thing we've discussed for many years is what happens after Vince. And it's, it's kind of wild to think, you know, we're, we're finally at this point, but, I wanted to say before I forget, Justin, I thought you made a really good point, too, about you don't feel any need to be thanking Vince or groveling at his feet because this guy's gotten so much money for you from you over the years. I 100 percent agree with that. I've seen, especially out of media types, way too many people bowing down to the emperor here. I mean, let's be objective. He's stepping down because of the scandal. That's Mm -hmm. why he's stepping down. You have to put that in your stories about this. Number one. And number two, again, just like you said, I feel no need to thank him for my childhood memories when I paid him for almost 40 years for my childhood memories. You've got my money, Vince. Enjoy retirement. And and it's it's like, what are we thinking for him? Like destroying multiple territories and like, right. I mean, who's to say that that wouldn't have happened from somebody eventually, you know, and he had a lot of help doing that. It's not like he was alone on that. He had a lot of daddy's money mm-hmm. to help him do that. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. It was to me, I was really grossed out when they started that whole thank you, Vince chat chant yeah. and SmackDown. It's like, I don't know. I just can't imagine like the Oscars taking a moment to applaud Harvey Weinstein for everything he did in the past. It's like, <laughs> oh, no, no kidding. And I mean, also this narrative about like 
Vince made your childhood and all this stuff. Like Vince McMahon didn't invent professional wrestling. Like, yeah, he did change it. But if Vince wasn't around, we still would have had it. And I Mm -hmm. feel like I probably still would have got into it at some point just because, and a lot of us talk about this, you know, I'm almost 40, you're 40, Kyle's around the same age as us. But a lot of us had like family members you know, whether that's like our fathers or our uncles or aunts or mothers, whatever that were into wrestling and they like predisposed us to that and they introduced it to us. I mean, look, my dad was a wrestling fan long before Vince McMahon was involved in pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he would have brought up to me at some point in time, you know, his favorite wrestler was Ric Flair. It wasn't in the WWF until the nineties. And there's tons of people that grew up around our age they were maybe introduced to Crockett before WWF, or if they're a little, little older than us, they were watching the regional yeah. promotions, or if they were from a little North from where we're at, they were watching the AWA and Vern Gagne, you know, or they were watching their local territory. So this narrative that Vince didn't invent professional wrestling, he changed it, but people still would have watched pro wrestling. And there's millions of people out there around the world right now who saw pro wrestling before Vince McMahon. Amen. So. I did find that picture, the Game of Thrones. I was oh. furiously looking for it. I finally found it on Instagram. <laughs> Check this out. I'll put it on the stream. Oh, okay. That's cool. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. So Jade, you got Jade, Britt, you got CM Punk in the throne. You got Darby, Brian, Orange Cassidy, and Ricky Starks. It's a cool shot. And this is what I'm talking about. I mean, the media sphere that that AEW is involved in because of Warner Media, like they, it gives them some really cool promotional opportunities mm-hmm. and so we could see more of that moving forward but comic-con obviously is is like the prime place to do that so yeah cool shot look it up yeah and and also i i love ricky starks being involved with all these uh top stars yeah absolutely all right justin i think that about covers it we got vince mcmahon in we got ring of honor death before dishonor we talked about all the news with punk's injury with brian coming back solid episode Great to finally have someone to play off of again. <laughs> no, Great to be I, here. I, it feels like it's been forever. Yeah, it's been a while. We got a lot of stuff planned, you guys. So mm-hmm. stay tuned to the YouTube channel. If you listen on the podcast feeds, when I put this stuff on the screen, you have no idea what I'm talking about. So maybe <laughs> go check out the YouTube stream at least and see some of the stuff I'm putting on the screen. Uh, but, you know, obviously listen to the podcast feed is important too. And we appreciate all of you. Leave us those five-star reviews. Leave us a written review. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. That is our number one driving force right now. Um, I mentioned Patreon a little bit ago. I had the bonus show drop on there just a couple of days ago. Kyle's got one coming up. We've got a Top Rope Nation Classics on Canadian Stampede 97 coming out here in the next couple of weeks as well. So all kinds of bonus content dropping. we got over 80 bonus podcasts right now only available on Patreon. You get access to all of those. The minute you sign up, link in the description, check it out. Join the Facebook group. Always great discussions going on there. And as always, we appreciate each and every one of you and helping us do what we love, which is talk about pro wrestling. So we'll be back later this week. We'll be previewing SummerSlam. We'll have a SummerSlam review show next weekend as well. So going to be a busy week. You'll be hearing from us real soon. Take care, everybody. Talk to you next time. Hugs and kisses.